I got an email from John Fetterman's wife, not as creepy as it sounds, and she said she's definitely making John Fetterman wear a suit tonight uh, at the debate. She's going to make him wear, you know, nice pants and a jacket, probably a straight jacket. <laughs> what, what's up? This is Marque Saves the Republic. And, uh, you know, a couple things before we get into uh, before we get into the debate last night in Florida, the debate coming up tonight in Pennsylvania, the other debate coming up in New York between Kathy Hochul and Lee Zeldin, the debate coming up in Michigan between Tudor and, and Whitmer. Oh, I, I have to tell you, yesterday I, I, and I talked about this a little bit on the show, I was with my son in the morning at a golf tournament and um, they did all right. Uh, but what happened was in the in the, the, you know, the three or four holes that I got to watch in his tournament there, you know, there are specific rules in golf. Number one, you got to be quiet. You can't talk to the players, no coaching. And one of the rules that I myself have been guilty of violating in the past. In fact, the only way I know this is a rule is because somebody came up to me and said, sir, you can't do that, sir. And that's how I learn. You know, that's how anyone learns. But typically I, I break a rule and somebody goes, sir, sir, I'm sorry. That's against the rules. And I go, oh, my bad. And I, you know, and then I, I try not to do it again. Usually by the third time I've been told, don't do that. Uh, I'll catch on. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, I, I know now the rules. You have to stay 50 feet away from all players. You can't talk to any of the players. And you can you can clap, you can go, good shot, stuff like that, but you can't coach or anything. And you have to stay at a distance. And there was another dad there that didn't evidently know these rules. So somewhere around the third hole, I was talking to my son's coach who'd pulled up in his cart. And the other dad comes up and starts talking to the players. And the coach turns to him and goes, sir, you can't talk to anybody. And and the dad's like, no, I was just keeping score for these kids. And the coach said, sir, you can't keep score. The kids have to keep score for themselves. They have to talk. You have to stay 50 feet away. And the guy pointed at me and goes, what is that dude over there crying to you about it, coach? And I was shocked because I totally wasn't crying. I mean, I've cried in the past, not cry, but you know, I've complained. I complain about people all the time, but I, in this instance, particularly, I didn't say a damn word. I was talking to the coach about the app and, uh, and how bad it was. I was talking to the coach about the other kids and how well they were playing and what our chances were to get to the next, you know, all that stuff. But this guy just assumed that I was, I was crying to the coach about him saying, you got to tell this guy to shut up. He's, he's talking to the kids. He's coaching him. He's just horrible. And I don't, I don't involve myself in that. If they, if they break the rules, I'm not the guy that's going to be like, you're breaking the rules. Like calm down. Um, I just, you know, I focus on my own son. So it took me off guard and I was like, dude, I didn't say a, a damn word. And he's like, yeah, I know you're over there crying, whatever. And it threw me off a little bit. And I've been trying to think about why it threw me off so much. And I, and I think I pinpointed it. Usually when people accuse me of doing something or saying something or acting a certain way or believing something or whatever, I've, it's something I've actually done, you know? And so I'm prepared to defend it. Like people call me all the time and they say, you said this dumb thing on the radio and you're wrong. And then I go, all right, well, let me tell you why I'm not. Let me give you 18 itemized reasons, highly detailed, well thought out of why you're wrong. And I'm actually way more, um, you know, informed and intellectually, uh, you know, skilled than you are on this particular subject uh, and probably all other, uh, most other subjects as well. And that's where, you know, and that's where I, I feel like I have a grasp. If I say something and somebody says something negative about that or retweets me or trolls me or attacks me. Oh, I'm ready to go. The problem is when I don't say something and people attack me, I have no, I mean, it's really, it's really interesting. It's interesting. Uh, it's an interesting way to basically, you know, I mean, really disarm me. 
Because if I didn't say something and somebody accused me of saying something, my only defense is I didn't say that. You're crazy. I have no, I have no other, I don't have bullet points. I don't have facts and figures. I don't have instances. I don't have examples. I don't have, you know, common sense to back it up. It's just me going, I never said that. You're crazy. And then it, it's kind of disarming. And I, I thought about that. I go, yeah, if I'd actually said it, like, for example, if I'd gone to the coach and said, this dude's talking to the kids and he's right up on the kids and he's coaching the kids, he's keeping score. You got to talk to him. If that had happened and the guy had come over to me and said, you over there crying about it? I, w- I, sa- I would have said something like, I'm not crying, but your kid's going to be crying when his dad gets him disqualified from the match for breaking the rules. Or if he said, would have said something like, you got a problem with me? I'd be like, hey, if I got to follow the rules, so do you. And the rules stipulate blah, A, B, C, D, and E. Or I'll be like, look, your kid may not be trying to get to the next level, but my kid out there sure as hell is, and you're distracting him. And also, you're not supposed to be keeping score. And based on your, uh, you know, your outfit, I don't know that you're even, I don't know that you're, you know, you're the best person to, to keep track of intricate numbers because you don't seem to, you don't seem to have an eye for detail. Anyway, it doesn't matter. All that kind of stuff. Um, but I didn't say anything. So it was really, it was really difficult for me to respond. Now, what the hell does all this have to do with politics? I'm going to end the uh, world we live in today. I'm going to explain it to you. I really believe that that is a tactic that the Democrats and especially the media have come up with. And I finally, it took me all this time, but this is something I've never seen before. Because again, as I said, usually when I'm accused of something or told I'm bad, it's because of something I've actually done or said. This was the first instance where I felt totally unprepared to debate because I'd not actually done or said or thought the thing. Uh, And the Democrats do that all the time. I think the Russian collusion instance, I think the, you know, the impeachment number one, the impeachment number two, the entire insurrection, it's all something Donald Trump didn't do. And therefore, it's, uh, you know, it's easy for the Democrats. It's easy for the Democrats to accuse somebody of doing something they didn't do. It's very difficult for somebody else to defend something they haven't done. You can say all day long, I never said that. All day long, I never did that. But eventually, you know, you need some, you need some evidence to back it all up. And it's very difficult to prove you didn't say something. It's easy to prove you did say something. It's easy to defend the comments you made. But it is very difficult to prove I never said that. And, uh, and, and, you know, and people will, you know, there's people all the time. The, just the instance, the mere, the mere suggestion that you may have said or done something that's uh, reprehensible or damaging to somebody else or illegal. Just the mere mention of that already that puts that in somebody's head. And, of course, the general populace as well. And I think that the Democrats, what they've done, you know, when there's a lot of people that don't believe any of this stuff, you shouldn't because, again, there's no evidence. And I think it's making people, it's giving them a thicker skin. It's giving them a thicker political skin, and they're not taking anything for granted anymore. And, uh, and I think that's actually a, a net positive. Um, and that's something I'm going to have to work on, too. And instead, of the, instead of the I never said that defense, I'm going to come up with a couple of other I'm going to come up with a couple other big uh, comebacks like, uh, like, you know, I never actually said that, but do you feel that way? Because maybe that says more about you. I never said that. Why do you feel threatened? Wait a minute. Why are you, why do you think that I said that? Is it because you, uh, you feel guilty that you're ignorant of the rules? You know, well, I'll come up with some better. I just hadn't given it any thought, like I said, but in politics and in life, it's just remember if you make up a lie about somebody or accuse them of doing something that they did not do, you, they, you've already instantly put them at a disadvantage. And most people would say, well, I don't want to do that. First of all, I would never want to wrongly accuse anybody of something I know. I know they never did, but the Democrats don't think that way. The media doesn't think that way. 
They use their words. They use their thoughts. They use their propaganda. They use their outlets. They use their assets all for one purpose and one purpose only. And that is to stop Donald Trump and stop America first freedom fighting, liberty loving, uh, freedom defending, liberty loving patriots like you and me. And so that's kind of where that's kind of where we are today. Now, Having said that, there's something else that I think is really a net positive when I look at all these debates. As I said before, last night was the Ron DeSantis, Charlie Crist debate. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't watch it live. I watch very few things live anymore. First of all, it was poker night uh, and uh, at the club. So I had to go play poker with the boy and I didn't do very well, but man, I had a good time. It was very, it was one of those. There's sometimes when I go play poker and I win and I'm really happy. There's sometimes when I go play poker and I lose and I'm miserable then there's sometimes when I go play poker and I lose, but I'm really happy because it, it was just a good time was had by all. And last night was one of those times. Um, and I don't want to get into there was there were football games there were on there were p- drunk people there was a lot of gossip it was a lot of and of course you know poker so uh, and beer oh I had this really good beer I it was some kind of IPA it was like a grapefruit IPA or something it was really I got to ask Jimmy the bartender what it was it was really delectable um, but anyway so I didn't watch the debate live and then the second part is every morning when I come into work the first thing I do is I go and get audio and go and get clips and I scour the news so I knew that I would be watching it live today anyway I knew that I'd have to go in and watch the thing and edit it up and cut it up and figure out what the hell I'm going to say about it and how I'm going to explain it so it's pointless for me to watch it twice so it's a waste of my time so I went to play poker last night and Hannah and Jay were texting me. Oh my God, did you hear that? Go Ron. Oh yeah. And I was just like, oh yeah. Uh, great job, Ron DeSantis. F you, Charlie Crist. And I, they had no idea I wasn't watching along with them. Um, but where was I? Oh yeah. But the other exciting thing that, and you know, the, the exciting thing about that was that Hannah and Jay and a multitude of other people who probably never have watched a gubernatorial debate in their life, they're sitting down and watching gubernatorial debates today or this year. And in fact, people who've never even known how to find a gubernatorial debate are finding it easier because it's on television. It's on their internet feed. People are tweeting about it. People, people have this renewed sense of importance in politics. And the Democrats will tell you, we've never been more politically divided. We are, we are so politically divided. Division is what's driving this country. It's driving people to the polls. I read an article yesterday, something like, scary news for the country political divisiveness is driving people to the polls and i thought to myself is that scary is it scary that more americans every year seem to be getting involved in politics more americans every year are actually using their their right to vote to you know to to control their lives isn't it it's not scary to me that people are waking up to the fact that these politicians actually do some really bad things and take advantage of situations and take advantage of voters and take advantage of elections and once they get to power they take advantage of that power to better their own lives to better the lives of people who you don't you don't think our assets or are you know like for example sending money to this person sending money to that person opening up the borders not paying for you and your family, but paying for some illegal immigrant family, all these things, the, the decisions that these lawmakers are making affect you directly. And up until, up until recently, I don't think a lot of people have taken an active part. And that again is all due in part to Donald Trump. Donald Trump has popularized American politics. And the reason, in my opinion is uh, the reason we're so divided as a country is because there's so many more people that are engaged in politics. There's so many more people that are like, where, where do I really align in this whole political spectrum? Am I super liberal, crazy leftist, socialist, sociopath, 
you know, LGBTQ warrior for social justice? Am I liberal? Am I kind of a moderate liberal? Or on the other side, am I ultra mega Republican, fascist, whatever, uh, white supremacist, militant, whatever Joe Biden calls him? Or am I conservative? Or am I like a moderate Republican? Uh, or am or am I a rhino? I guess would be the other would be the right in the middle of the road. And people are really looking at the political spectrum. They're trying to figure out their place in the political spectrum, and then they're getting involved. And I think it's interesting because I bet if you quizzed people, they would be able to tell you more names of more Senate candidates, not only in their own state, hopefully in their own. Like in, in I'm in Florida. I'm pretty sure everybody in Florida could tell you that running for Senate in two weeks, Marco Rubio the existing or the current senator, uh, senior senator from from um, Florida, is running against Val Demings, congresswoman from uh, the Orlando area. And I'm pretty confident that it, the majority of people I know in Florida at least would know that. But here's what's interesting. I, I'm pretty confident the majority of people I talk to, or a lot of people at least that I talk to, could tell you who's running for the Senate in Georgia and who's running for the Senate in Pennsylvania and who's running for the Senate in, I don't know, Ohio. I bet I could talk to a lot of people here in Florida and they can tell me at least one of the people running for governor in Arizona. They could tell me at least one of the people running for governor in New York. They could tell me at least one of the people running for governor in um, you know, Michigan, for example. And that's something I've not seen in a long time. People are really understanding politics. People are getting involved in politics. People are starting to care. And that's where the Democrats really lose power. That's where all politicians lose power. These Washington elite, you know, career politicians, Mitch McConnell, you know, Lindsey Graham, Nancy Pelosi, all these people that go to Washington, they count on the American public not being interested. This is one of the big reasons they, they hated Donald Trump. And I'm going to get into this a lot more in the show. Donald Trump was interesting. He was entertaining. He got people excited about politics. Mitch McConnell is not interesting. Mitch McConnell is not entertaining. Mitch McConnell does not get people excited about politics. Same with Chuck Schumer. Same with Nancy Pelosi. These people are boring. And they like it that way because if you're, if you're, if they're drawing attention to you, for example, you know, the magician, the magician will always have you look at his left hand while his right hand's digging in the pocket to get something or a pickpocket is probably a better example. Pickpockets don't like to draw attention to themselves. They like to blend in and they work without you knowing it. And you know, it, it's too, by the time you realize your wallet's gone or your cash is gone or your cell phone's gone or your passport's gone, the pickpocket's already on the subway. The pickpocket's at home. You're never going to find out. It's too late. You've already been pickpocketed. That's how Republican and Democrat career senators and Congress people like to work. These Washington elite establishment people, they like to work in darkness. They want to blend in. They don't want to be in front of the camera all the time. They don't want the focus on them. They want to be able to do their job, pick your pocket, take your money, rule your life, make their backroom deals, and you never find out about it until it's too late. But Donald Trump blew the lid off of that. Not only did Donald Trump make himself interesting and politics interesting, but he started to pinpoint all those other people. He started to throw Nancy Pelosi into the spotlight and Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell, all these people. He started to put them into the spotlight and he forced you to see them. And when they're in the spotlight, it's very difficult for them to do these uh, these horrible criminal acts that they're Joe Biden is the perfect example. Joe Biden for 40 years has been in Washington, D.C., gaming the system, taking advantage of the system, making millions of dollars, using his own family, his own flesh and blood to put together basically corrupt, criminal, illegal deals with tyrannical communist dictators who want to destroy America. 
getting money from them funneled into their own accounts um, in exchange for access to the highest levels of government. And he was totally fine with that. And he got away with it. Why? Because it's Joe Biden. The guy's boring as a, as a block of salt. You know, Lot's wife had more personality than Joe Biden. And so Joe Biden got away with it. And when he was vice president, he didn't care about being vice president. He didn't care about Barack Obama. He didn't care about curing cancer or any of the other things that he was put in charge of. All he cared about was, all right, uh, now that I have access to the president for the next eight years, how much money can I bank? And how do I do it quietly? Oh, I know. I'll get, uh, I'll get Joe involved and James and we'll make it a whole deal. And we'll get Tony Bobolinsky. I'm sure my son has some friends. Anyway, and, and that's what he did. You know, Joe Biden, all these career politicians, they did not want you knowing what they were doing. They were content to be kind of blah and milk toast. But Donald Trump made them interesting. He made them a sideshow. He shone the spotlight on them. And now not only do people, not only do more people know their politicians, but they're paying attention to what they're up to. And that's bad news for the establishment. And it's good news for the liberty loving, freedom defending patriots and ultra MAGA Republicans that hopefully will be uh, will be storming into office here in just a couple of weeks in a massive, massive red wave. So definitely something to think about. Donald Trump was so entertaining that he made Americans love politics. And the reason we're so divided now, according to the media, the reason why this election is so divisive is because there's more people that realize they've been screwed over by politicians. And so now they're finally getting involved. And that to me is a net positive. That's always a good thing. If you're a politician and you're angry or upset or concerned that more Americans are getting involved in politics, it means you just don't want to get caught taking advantage of people like you've been doing for God knows how long. All right, listen, what, uh, the show's coming up at noon today. It's going to be ex, It's going to be stellar. It's going to be so good today. I'm excited. There's a lot to talk about. There's the debates, of course. We've got you know uh, a lot of other stuff to cover. Oh, The View, Ted Cruz was on The View. I've got some great audio from that as well. And I would urge you, um, if you haven't already, to subscribe to this podcast. And then, of course, take some time to share it with somebody. Share it with somebody who's like-minded. Share it. You, you can post it on your Twitter. We have, I have, uh, there's this guy that every single day takes a clip of our podcast and posts it on his Instagram so that people can find it. If you have, you know, a a text message group of like-minded friends, maybe send them this podcast and say, you guys should listen to this. I think you're really going to like it and help us spread the word because we want more of those people involved in politics. We want more of those people to know what it is they believe, where they fit on the political spectrum, who they align with. We want people to make America great again, and we need as many as possible um, so that together we can all save the republic. So do me a solid, subscribe if you haven't already, and then take this link and share it with as many freedom-defending, liberty-loving patriots as you possibly can.